Lawlessness abounds in America, ladies and gentlemen. Lawlessness abounds in America, and the truth is cast into the streets. Plus, some universities want you to mourn, not celebrate Thanksgiving. I have to issue a retraction from last week as well. And we take your questions on retirement because you know what? The financial issues are getting worse, and you need to be ready, and there's a way you can. Welcome to your favorite night of the week. This is The Deep End on Tim Hatch Live. Yes, welcome everybody. I am so glad that you're here. I am in the studio alone. I have no one helping me this week, and it is by God's grace that we got this show up and running. This is awesome. I'm learning as I go, and uh, usually I have my producer, Michael, who is always on hand to help me. Hi, Michael, if you're watching from vacation. He took vacation. I mean, honestly, who does that now? (laughs) Have a happy Thanksgiving, Michael. Uh, This is The Deep End, Season 5, Episode 11, and I'm excited for this content. And, you know, the world is getting crazier and crazier, guys. It's getting crazier and crazier. By the way, if you want to preemptively like the video, I'd appreciate that. Subscribe and give the beard some love. And also ring that or click that notification bell so that you can get notified on your smartphone when we are live. The world's getting crazy. The world, the news is just getting awful. A domestic terror attack in Wisconsin uh, two days ago, uh, mass theft in Chicago for San Francisco, a horrific beating in New York City. You are about to also enjoy the most expensive Thanksgiving meal you've ever had. And all the federal government wants to do is force you to get vaccinated or lose your job. Mm-hmm. That's the news. Let's get to it. Deep end news. News and views that don't make us news. Yeah, deep end news. So I got to start with my home state of Massachusetts, the capital of Massachusetts, not to be outdone by the sexual progressive liberal lunatics of the Pacific Northwest in the city of Portland. Boston, Massachusetts, my home state's capital, has decided, you're not going to believe this, to give those who kill their unborn children 12 weeks of paid leave. 12 weeks of paid leave if you have an abortion or your significant other has an abortion. This from uh, informationliberation.com. Boston would give employees 12 weeks paid leave after killing babies in the air in abortion. So uh, uh, Portland, the city of Portland, reported about this a couple weeks ago. We'll give you um, three days off to grieve the killing of your unborn child. Boston has decided you need 12 freaking weeks. 12 weeks. This is uh, reported in informationliberation.com. It's also reported on lifenews.com. Here's the content from the article. Quote, the city of Boston now allows employees to take up to 12 weeks of pay leave, paid leave when they abort their unborn babies. The new Boston reports, Post reports the city council passed the amendment to its parental leave policy on September 15th. The vote was unanimous. And acting Kim, Mayor Kim Janney. Uh, signed two days later. The new parental leave benefits for city employees allow 12 weeks of paid leave for men and women. Men and women. So if you knock a girl up and she gets an abortion, you get to take 12 weeks off on the taxpayer's dole. How about that? For any kind of pregnancy loss, including abortions, uh, according to the Post, the policy also allows, also allows uh, leave time for parents of newborns and adoptive parents, which I can get on board with, newborns and adoptive parents. But, but kill a child, get a vacation. That's literally what Boston, Massachusetts is doing for their city employees and the taxpayers of Massachusetts, which do fund in some small ways and many other ways, the city of uh, Boston. 
are going to be paying for this out of their pockets. This this during a recession. I'm not a recession. This during heightened inflation. I mean, it is getting kind of nuts <laughs> what's happening in America's cities. And it's kind of becoming exactly what Jesus said would happen in the end times. I want to get to that in just a moment, but I want to show you a couple of more news articles. Our nation's cities are being handed over to the wrath of God. Remember Romans 1, 18? We talked about that on Deep Dive in episode one. The wrath of God is being revealed from heaven against all lawlessness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth by their unrighteousness. So, so as our country continues to suppress the truth of God's scripture, as our country continues to move away from the scriptural truths of the gospel, of the, of the Bible, uh, God is allowing us to get exactly what we ask for, and that is lawlessness, the wrath of God, the wrath of God being revealed against us, most notably in our cities. So three headline articles here. San Francisco Bay Area stores ransacked. Retailer warns leadership invited chaos amid looting streak. In the city of Chicago, 14 people steal $120,000 worth of Louis Vuitton merchandise. At least these looters have good taste. I mean, honestly. And then this hideous, hideous uh, news item from the city of New York. A group of people in New York City attacked a man in a wheelchair. I don't even want to show you the video. It's, it's so disgusting. From November 8th there, you see it on the screen. They beat him up, tossed him out of the chair, and stole his money. This is what's happening in American cities. What on earth is going on? Do you know what's going on? Lawlessness is increasing. Lawlessness is increasing. And a guy named Jesus had something to say about that 2,000 years ago. Matthew 24, 12. And because lawlessness will be increased, in other words, you're going to see respect for the law decrease and just this general <laughs> let anything happen increase in the world and that's going to cause the love of many to grow cold now there's some debate about whether he's talking about brotherly love or is he talking about um love for god i believe it's both and that's what's happening now you see less and less christians you see less and less christian faith in the world today you see a lot of people apostatizing departing from the faith the the, the new popular way of saying it is i'm deconstructing my faith have you heard this have you heard this nonsense i'm deconstructing my faith which means i'm just apostatizing with a cool name for it Jesus says in verse 13, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. Oh, by the way, in the next verse, he says the gospel of the kingdom will be preached in every nation as a testimony against them, and then the end will come. In other words, it looks bad. It looks dark. The news is nasty, but the good news is still going forward. Amen, amen, amen. And it's going to be a testimony against those who reject it so that no one has an excuse. Romans chapter 1 language again. No one has an excuse. The gospel goes forward. The, and and you got to realize this, guys. I only share the news to share with you a Christian, biblical, pastoral perspective of, the, of it. And that is this, that as bad news increases, good news advances. The gospel is going farther and faster than ever before in our history, according to missionary statistics, the 21st century has exposed more people to the gospel in the first, what is it, 21 years? It's 2021, right? In the first 21 years of this century than the entire 100 years of the last century. That is, technology is helping us spread it. That is, uh, travel is helping us spread it. And man, I'm telling you something, Jesus is coming soon. Endure to the end and you will be saved. Okay, now, Guys, I take this seriously. I have to make a retraction from last week, and that's going to bring me to the deep end commentary. Let's go there. When you when don't, you don't know, know what to do, or what to believe, when you need commitment to trust, to trust, 
Deep End Commentary. Last week on the Deep End Commentary, I did a segment called the Divide, and so- the Divide and Conquer Circus. And I said that there are two things happening in our news cycle right now that really don't matter about our country. and We need to unite, not divide. Those two things uh, were Aaron Rodgers, the quarterback for Green Bay, his vaccination status, which I still don't care about, <laughs> and the Kyle Rittenhouse trial, which I want to say emphatically I was wrong about. Last week, I said, don't worry about it. It's it's uh, irrelevant to your life. It is absolutely relevant to your life. And I need to do a commentary called The Truth Matters. I, your humble correspondent, am retracting my statement from last week. And the reason why is because this this trial of Kyle Rittenhouse, this guy that I don't even, (laughs) I didn't even know, I wasn't even paying attention, has exposed everything that's wrong with our country right now. Uh, I want to quote from a New York Post article. The central media narrative was that Kyle Rittenhouse is a white supremacist whose mother drove him across state lines with an AR-15 to shoot Black Lives Matter protesters. All lies, all lies. I have to retract my statement because I am a white dude and I was buying the narrative and I didn't even realize it. I was mis- I was misinformed. And this is why you've got to do your own research and get your own facts. In fact, my brother-in-law, who works in secular work, was talking about this, that he had a lady who he works with immediately after the verdict came out. She said, what do you think about the trial? What do you think about the verdict? And he wanted to like press her for where, where, where was she going to be on the side of this whole thing? And he, and he said, I just thought to myself, don't tell her what you think. Ask her if she watched the trial. He said, did you watch the trial? She said, no. So then he got her information about what she thought, and she thought the exact opposite of the truth. Because there was a narrative that was pushed upon the country, a narrative that was pushed upon me. I was even misinformed. And this is bad. You've got to do your own research because there are liars abounding in our country like never before. I thought that Kyle Rittenhouse carried the rifle across state lines to go and protest or to go and fight the protesters willfully. I was wrong about that. I was wrong about the idea that a 17-year-old was not allowed by law in the state of Wisconsin to carry a rifle. That too is false. It is perfectly legal for a 17-year-old to carry a rifle in the state of Wisconsin. I thought he shot and killed black people. Wrong. He shot three white guys. All three of them were attacking him, one with a pistol. And the guy testified with the pistol on the stand that he held the pistol to Kyle Rittenhouse's face before Kyle Rittenhouse shot him. I thought that Jacob Blake, the one over whom all the riots were first started in Kenosha, was an unarmed black man and was dead. Wrong, wrong, wrong. He's alive. He was resisting arrest. And he was brandishing a knife against the police who were trying to arrest him for a crime he was in the midst of committing. I thought that Kyle was in Kenosha uh, on a vigilante (laughs) event. No, his father lived in the city. He lived with his father. (laughs) And then I also thought that Kyle was the only one armed. He was not. Rioters and looters were armed as well. I thought that Kyle shot peaceful protesters. No, it was a mob. People were chasing him down the street, and one of them, Joseph Rosenbaum, was a convicted child molester on multiple multiple counts. Multiple counts of child molestation. Joseph Rosenbaum. Oh, and by the way, he also started a dumpster fire and pushed the dumpster fire into a crowd. I literally saw the video myself. By the way, some said the judge was biased because he didn't let the uh, prosecutors refer to the dead as quote-unquote victims. And that's nothing new in the judicial process. That's actually a pretty standard uh, procedure to protect the accused from presumed guilt because if you call the dead people victims, it makes the person being accused already guilty. 
By the way, do you know where that procedure started where they stopped referring to the dead people in these trials as victims? Do you know where it started? You'll never believe this. In the Kobe Bryant rape trial of 2003. But no one screamed about that woman's victimhood status being ripped from her as he was on trial for his life. That's just a few of the factual errors that I was wrong about. And you go, you know what, guys? When I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and I will admit it. I thought so many things about this case that were totally false. And I didn't pay attention. And if you didn't pay attention, I guarantee you think that the wrong verdict was handed out last week. His exoneration does matter. It is incredibly important for the future of our country and the establishment and the, and the vindication of the Second Amendment, the right to defend yourself. If somebody's putting a gun at you, and I, I know there's Christians out there that think, oh yeah, Jesus said turn the other cheek. Look, they didn't have any rights. Jesus was talking to Jewish people who did not have any rights under the Roman government. They had no legal right to protect themselves. They, so Jesus said if they, if they slap you across the face, turn the other cheek. Because that's, that's the best way that you can use your non-rights to validate your humanity before this person. Oh, and by the way, there's also some who interpret it that when you strike someone, when they struck a Jew across the face, his face would go like this, his face would go um, left to right. And so by turning the other cheek, you were actually turning it this way, which was a way of saying uh, greeting. People would put their hand on your cheek in this, uh, on this side to suggest that you were equals. So there's another interpretation of that passage that by turning the other cheek, you're saying to that Roman centurion who thinks he has the legal right to slap you and treat you like you were subhuman. No, actually, we are equals. It was actually a political statement. This idea that we shouldn't defend ourselves, man, that's nonsense. Remember, that cost uh, Mike Dukakis the presidency, basically, when they, when they asked him in that debate in 19, uh, what was it, 88. If, you're, if your wife was brutally raped and murdered, would you be in favor of the death penalty? And he very coldly answered, no. <laughs> you, you have a right to defend yourself. And the liars are abounding, guys, and it matters. I give you the example of Kamala Harris, who went to visit Jacob Blake in the hospital. Mind you, a convicted felon, Jacob Blake, in the hospital last night. This is one night after five families lost loved ones in a massacre as a domestic terrorist drove his SUV through a Christmas parade in Waukesha the night before. Five families in Wisconsin are mourning their death of their loved ones. Oh, by the way, and 41 plus others are injured as a result of that massacre from Waukesha, Wisconsin, the night, uh, two nights ago. And what does Kamala Harris do? She goes and visits Jacob Blake. Not the innocent people who suffered in that massacre. And of course, celebrities had to chime in. Reese Witherspoon woke up this morning thinking about every mother, father, brother, sister, friend who has lost someone who says this gun fires in America. And then there was no justice for their pain. This is a disgrace. I mean, the ignorance of the elite is frustrating. Mark Ruffalo, who plays the Hulk and is as dumb as the Hulk in real life, said, we come together to mourn the lives lost to, to the same systemic racist system, or the same racist system that devalues black lives and devalued the life of Anthony and Jojo. <laughs> Hashtag reimagine Kenosha. He literally called Joseph Rosenbaum a convicted child molester by a pet name, Jojo. Oy. Who? These people, like, like uh, Ricky Gervais famously said at the Golden Globes yesterday, um, they have less education than Greta Thunberg. I mean, honestly. And then the president has to chime in. First, he's asked in an interview, and it's on video, what do you think about the verdict? And he says, I stand by the jury's verdict. That's what he said in the interview. Well, his handlers got a hold of him, and they issued a statement literally hours later where he said, quote, while the, while the verdict in Kenosha will leave many Americans feeling angry and concerned, myself included, 
We must acknowledge that the jury has spoken. So he's angry and frustrated. He's angry and concerned. But just hours before, he's like, no, I stand by the verdict. Which just proves that this guy is not actually in charge. There's someone behind the scenes pulling the strings on this guy. Unbelievable. And then the media continues to lie to you, lie to you, and carry the narrative. And even now, after the verdict, they're still carrying the na narrative forward. That, that, that he was a white supremacist bent on vigilante justice and trying to shoot black people. And so now they're actually calling on the federal government to prosecute him because the state government didn't do its job. This narrative has been foisted upon you. And if you not, did not pay attention, you were a victim of lies. And by the way, I don't know if you did hear about that horrific tragedy in Waukesha, Wisconsin. Uh, two nights ago, I think it was. And I hate to say it. And I I'd only say this for, for one reason, which I will get to. An angry black BLM supporting sex offending man, black man drove an SUV through a Christmas parade and killed five people intentionally, intentionally, just miles away from Kenosha, Wisconsin. And uh, the only reason why I bring up his color is because CNN had this headline on their website uh, yesterday, quote, there's nothing more frightening in America today than an angry white man. Talk about being out of touch with the times. And secondly, talk about being absolutely divisive and undermining of American unity. Today is okay to vilify white people. You can't put any other color in that sentence and get away with it today, but you can totally do it toward white people. I am not in favor of identifying the color of anyone who does anything wrong. I'm not in favor of vilifying any particular color of people because of some person of that color committing a crime anywhere. There is no, it is unconscionable to me that we, that we, we are, our, our news media outlets are so able to get away with lying on a regular basis and misleading for the sake of narrative to, I don't know, reshape our country to what it never, ever was aimed to be. I, and you need to be aware of this. And yes, I am retracting my statement. This, this trial mattered. And I want to say something. You should be glad. You should thank the living God of heaven that the right to a fair and speedy trial is enshrined in the United States Constitution, Article 3, Section 2, and the Sixth Amendment. And I don't know how long it's going to be around. I really don't know how long it's going to be around. We don't try cases in the court of public opinion or in the court of media narrative. We try cases in this country on the facts. And thank God the facts are still the facts and the facts won out. By the way, it was Thomas Jefferson who endorsed the uh, Sixth Amendment saying, quote, I consider trial by jury as the only anchor ever yet imagined by man by which government can be held to the principles of his constitution, period, end quote, Thomas Jefferson. And again, I don't know how much longer we're going to have the right to a fair and speedy trial based on the facts. I don't know, because you know what? <laughs> the most ironic thing happening right now is that Thomas Jefferson, who helped shape the constitution of the United States, who helped actually put the constitution together, his statues are coming down in our country right now. New York City Hall just took down the statue of Thomas Jefferson. Why? Because he owned slaves. Because he did what 95% of human beings did, white, black, all over the world, in every generation of the world, up to that moment, up until the Civil War, literally. Now he is to be branded as a bigot and vilified throughout human history for that. And and I wonder when are we going to disregard and destroy and remove his contributions to human civilization. By the way, it's kind of ironic that another example of the news lying to you 
Back in uh, 2017, after Charlottesville, after that horrible tragedy in Charlottesville, the news was bending over backwards to correct President Trump's assertion that if, tr that if statutes of Confederates come down, eventually Jefferson and Washington will come down as well. And, and this is from NBC News' Twitter account, why statues of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson aren't quote-unquote next, as President Trump suggested. I mean, they bent over backwards to prove President Trump wrong. Four years later, he's 100% right. He's 100% right. The, the statues of our founders are coming down because they committed the crime of not having the information that we have and not living in the generation that we do. I mean, I can't wait until 150 years from now when those people are tearing down statues of Harvey Milk and um, Margaret Sanger and other hideous representations of this generation because the, the truth will eventually come out. I can't wait until uh, Planned Parenthood is vilified in this country because they supported and uh, celebrated and profited off of the killing of the unborn because eventually the truth is going to come out and we're going to see that those people in the womb are also people. And, the, and 150 years from now, the canceling is going to come back to bite all these people who are canceling all the people that they feel so morally superior to 150 years ago. This is, this, this is important, guys, because as Christians, listen, truth matters. Truth matters. Proverbs 6.16, I, I quoted this chapter last week, and I want, to, I want to quote it again. There are six things the Lord hates, seven are an abomination to him. Last week, we talked about one who sows discord among the brothers. I want to talk about that, that second one. Hottie eyes, number two, a lying tongue. God hates liars. God hates lying tongues. Please hear the scripture. And hands that shed innocent blood. Abortionists. I mean... I mean this is our world, and, and, and you've got to be aware of this. You've got to be aware of this because you're being lied to on such a regular basis that if you don't know it, you are accepting it. You are, you're embracing lies, and you're going to make decisions, and you're going to have opinions that are rooted in falsehoods. Nobody really wants that, right? You don't want to, you don't want to have opinions rooted in falsehoods, do you? You need to have the truth. Jesus said the truth is such a free. Jesus said, I am the truth. God loves truth. And sometimes truth hurts and sometimes truth pinches, but we still need truth. I always say to my church, if I go to the doctor and I've got cancer and I've got a cut on my finger and he's more worried about the cut on my finger than the cancer in my body, but he doesn't want to hurt me with the truth, that's not a good doctor. We, we, we need to expose the lying liars. Uh, and that brings me to um, another lie that's being foisted upon you. It's uh, Thanksgiving in two days. Woohoo, Thanksgiving! Yeah, right, right. Our annual feast of family, football, food, the holiday that should remind us of the greatness of this country, the goodness of this country. But chances are, if you attend a college or university, I'm sure you're being taught to hate this country. And while this country has a number of blemishes on its past, most notably slavery, Jim Crow, the Trail of Tears, among others, perhaps, and this is just me, as the weather gets colder and the days get shorter and darker, maybe we need to focus on good things, not bad things in this country. Maybe leave Thanksgiving alone and just enjoy the day, right? Well, nope, not if you're a college student. This from Fox News, Thanksgiving myth, universities ask whether Americans should reconsider the holiday as a, quote, day of mourning. I kid you not. By the way, did you know that this year marks the 400th anniversary of the first Thanksgiving feast in New England, uh, 1621, with the Pilgrims and the Native Americans? 400 years. 
Well, the holiday had a good run, didn't it? 400 years. <laughs> now it's under attack. First, they came for Columbus Day. And eventually, they're going to wipe out all the happy days. Every happy day, except for Harvey Milk's birthday, is going to be banished from the record. Seriously, that's where we are headed. That's where we are headed as a country. This is from the article. Uh, several American universities are participating in an event whether, uh, asking whether Americans should, quote, reconsider the Thanksgiving holiday. The alumni associations of the University of Maryland, Florida Gulf Coast University, Washington State University, University of Central Arkansas, Hiram College in Ohio, and Cal uh, California University, Long Beach, are participating in this event. Uh, the article goes on and says, starting in 1970, many Americans led by indigenous protesters believe that Thanksgiving should be rededicated as a national day of mourning to reflect the centuries-long displacement and persecution of Native Americans. The recent shift from Columbus Day to Indigenous Peoples Day reflects a changing national mood the uh, description of the uh, event uh, states should americans reconsider thanksgiving when wrestling with our country's complicated past okay should should we just take the happiest day of the year i mean doesn't doesn't turkey and stuffing and cranberry sauce make you happy doesn't football and um laying on the couch and just enjoying family and friends doesn't that make you happy doesn't help doesn't that help alleviate some of the fact that you're headed into winter like that you're headed into bad weather that you're headed into darkness i mean doesn't that help there's a reason why holidays are scheduled when they are <laughs> i mean this is happening by the way as depression amongst americans is at an all-time high i give you this chart i, I found this research um on the average share of adults reporting symptoms of anxiety disorder or depressive disorder, January 2019, 11% of Americans were reporting anxiety or depressive disorder. January 2019. Well, give them a worldwide pandemic and a contentious political uh, election, and then you give them the race rise of the summer of 2020, and then the vaccine mandates and the vaccine fights and all that kind of stuff. And... One year later, or two years later, January 2021, 41% of Americans seven de uh, are depressed or anxious. 41%, up from 11%, almost quadruple. And by the way, for those of you who are paying attention who are young to this channel, and I know you're out there and I know you listen to us, the share of adults reporting symptoms of anxiety or depressive disorder during the COVID-19 pandemic are highest amongst those who are 18 to 24, uh, 56, over half of 18, 20, 18 to 24 year olds in this country right now are reporting symptoms of anxiety or depression. Over half, one and two. I can't believe this. And now they want to take away Thanksgiving from you. Now they want to take away a happy day from you because you know what? That's what the devil loves to do. He loves to lie to you and keep you depressed and keep you sad and mourning because the, he knows the joy of the Lord is your strength. He knows that if you're celebrating things, then you, you, you'll have serotonin levels boosted in your body. You'll, you'll have a happiness mood in your body and things will be better. Guys. We are in a battle for the souls of men and women. And these facts that I bring up here on the deep end matter. These things matter. We cannot just uh, tiptoe through the daisies anymore as preachers and teachers. We've got to talk about what's happening. We've got to call it what it is. We've got to label the liars liars so that God's people know the truth. And I'll do it. And I know it's not going to make me popular as a preacher. I know it, but I don't care. I care more about God's people than I care about being liked by the Christian establishment. Anyway, we've got to talk about Thanksgiving because you know what? Thanksgiving should never go away. And there's a couple of reasons why. And I want to tell you about that on Deep Endopedia.
Okay, Deep Endopedia, the facts of Thanksgiving. We're going to talk about that, the facts of Thanksgiving, because Thanksgiving is under attack just like Columbus Day is. Here's the facts. In 1620, 102 pilgrims sailed on the Mayflower to America searching for religious freedom and a new life. Within six months, half of them were dead. Why? Because they made the fatal mistake of landing in New England and not Virginia. <laughs> and that's only a joke that New Englanders can understand because when you land in New England and you have no plows and no salt and no <laughs> coats and you land in November, uh, you, you're in for a hurt. You're in for a world of hurt. And uh, they did not survive well in that first winter. Half of them were dead. So what happened was um, the natives actually helped the uh, pilgrims learn how to farm a um, native named Squanto, who should always be revered, uh, helped the pilgrims learn how to plant corn and other important vegetables, how to farm the soil. And so then the next year, 1621, they actually had a fruitful bounty and they celebrated with a meal. Now that was not, now listen to me very carefully because these are the facts. That was not the start of Thanksgiving. I, I have bad news for people who think that we've been celebrating this for 400 years. We have not. That was just a meal that they shared to say thanks for the, the productive harvest that they had after a hard winter in which half of the pilgrims died. By the way, there's a lot of misinformation about the state of the Native Americans when the pilgrims showed up. Did you know, for instance, that there was a plague that had swept across the entire New England region just before the pilgrims showed up from 1616 to 1619? And actually upwards of 100,000 natives died, so much so that their, their population was like at 5% of what it was before the pilgrims showed up? This is why some people believe it was God's timing to bring the pilgrims at that moment because the, the, the population had dwindled so terribly there was room for new people to move in. Anyway, some also believe, and this is, again, misinformation, lies, that the, that the Native Americans were living in complete harmony with the world. You know what they were like? They were like the blue people in James Cameron's Avatar movie. They were, you know, sticking their little things into the horses and riding them into the sunset, and everybody was happy, and everybody was at peace, and nobody was killing each other. Wrong, 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 wrong. The Aztecs, a year before the pilgrims got there, had just slaughtered 70,000 of their enemies in worship of the sun god. The native tribes here were constantly at war. That's another fact. And the Wampanoags aligned with the pilgrim settlers only as an opportunity for military security against their enemies. Chief Massasoit figured that one out. By the way, the life expectancy of the Native Americans was around 35 years, which means that your leaders, your cultural, your community leaders at that time were about 20 years old. By the way, 20-year-olds should not be in charge of communities. They should not be cultural. They should not be national or governmental leaders because they're hard-headed and they're heated. They, so they fight and they war. That's why the life expectancy was so short. You'd either die in war or die of plague or die of disease. A lot of things that the, 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 the British colonialists brought was medicines, life-saving medicines, scientific advancements that brought life to the community. Not death. Everybody who hates British colonialism, by the way, has a completely biased view of human history. British colonialism, I know it had a lot of faults. I understand that. But it also brought a lot of good to wherever it went. It brought common law. It brought life-saving medicine. It brought scientific advancements. It brought um, Christianity, in many respects, to these places. 
A number of years ago, a guy named John Chow went to a remote village in uh, in a in an island off the shore of India, and he was trying to witness to them, trying to share Christ with this very violent, uh, very um, sheltered uh, group of people. I forget the name of them. And he was shot down by arrows and left for dead. And then everybody broke out and said, see, Christian colonizer, Christian colonizer, see, imperialist, imperialist. And he was, they were lumping this poor kid in with all the British colonialism evils of the 16 and 1700s. Well, at around the same time, an article, a news article came out about a girl that had escaped that very village. And she escaped because she was marked for death. She was going to be executed by the village because according to the village, if you were lame, if you had a broken bone, you would be executed because you were of no use to the society. She escaped for her life because she had a broken leg. And to anybody who thinks that colonialism is all evil and we need to rid the world of all of its vestiges, you are completely misinformed and ignorant of the facts. <laughs> what should we do when, when, when these girls are suffering like that under the laws of these remote and isolated villages? When their lives are at stake if they sprain their ankle? Should we step in or should we not? Do we care about women's lives or do we not? Anyway... I'm off topic. Let me get back. The life expectancy was about 35 years. For 50 years, there was peace, total peace between the natives and the pilgrims. Did you know that? I know there's this like there's this image because of the universities and colleges of today that the that the the colonialists, the pilgrims, got off the boat with guns blazing, killing all the natives. Let's kill her. Let's kill them all and take their land. No. In fact, did you know that most of the land that was per that was transferred from the natives to the European settlers was actually purchased by the European settlers at agreed upon prices and the records of those exchanges are in the library of congress today we have 187 some odd documents documenting the sale of the land anyway there's 50 years of peace and then king's philip war broke out king's philip king king philip sorry was a native chief and uh, he was the son of massasoit and he didn't like the pilgrims and he saw them as a threat and so he started a war he started the war not the pilgrims the natives and it is the bloodiest war per capita in American history. By the way, everybody says, well, the colonialists had muskets. Yes, but the Native American warriors had bowmen who were able to shoot five arrows at a time, often out equipping the English on many occasions. Now, lest you say, oh, here we go. He's whitewashing history. Typical white guy, typical white heterosexual cisgender male. No. I will agree that, yes, and I know the facts of these, settlers abducted natives and sold them into slavery. In fact, it was uh, Spanish settlers, Spanish, I'm sorry, explorers, not settlers, that actually um, kidnapped Squanto, brought him to Spain, sold him into slavery. Oh, and here's a hot fact. It was actually um, Catholic friars in the Spanish Catholic Church who set Squanto free and sent him back to New England just in time to teach the pilgrims how to farm the land because he learned the language of English and, and Spanish when he, when he was captive. You got to know the history, friends. And I will admit also that the United of Americans attacked and imprisoned some settlers, including John Smith, who was barely saved because of Pocahontas. There was a lot of bloodshed. There was a lot of heated civil discord between the natives and the pilgrims. And arguments can be made on both sides about who's to blame for all the carnage. But you know what they were really like? Listen to me very carefully. You know what they were really like? They were a lot like us. Divisive and hateful. Not looking for facts. Just fighting for all their sides. Just fighting for all their, their views. Philip Cruz in the chat says, yes, Squanto was a Christian. True fact. Yes, he was a Christian. 
By the way, if you want a great uh, resource for all of these facts that I'm sharing with you, look at uh, look at this look up this book, um, Nathaniel Philbrick's book Mayflower: Voyage, Community, and War, New York Times bestseller. It is a fantastic read, easy read, and uh, filled with documented evidence of what I'm sharing with you now. So how do we get Thanksgiving? That's an important thing too, and I want to go over that in closing of this Deep Endopedia segment. First off, the Thanksgiving holiday was unofficially started uh, by George Washington as a day of prayer and reflection in 1789 after the Continental Congress was formed. And so, um, you know, after the revolution and then the, the official Congress was started. And so we decided, look, we got to pray, we got to reflect what God is doing in this world. And, and, and George Washington called on the nation to do that. And that was kind of like an unofficial Thanksgiving. Well, uh, Thomas Jefferson, who believed heartily in the separation of church and state, and John Quincy Adams and, and, and the rest, his his successors really didn't want to carry that tradition because of the prayer and nationalism that that would represent. So it never really took on as a national holiday. Fast forward to the 1850s and American history starts to get explored. The country needed an identity. The North was free. The South had slavery. Nobody knew who they were. America was still a very young, almost toddler-esque country at that time. And so they start to research some of the facts that I'm showing you now. And yes, maybe they did show a slanted view of it all. Well, fast forward a little further, and then the country breaks out into a bloody war, civil war, the bloodiest war in American history. And during the Civil War, President Lincoln inaugurates the first official Thanksgiving holiday, again, to give thanks and to reflect on who we are as a nation, because he knew that a country that had been divided needed something to rally around. They needed happiness. They needed joy. Wasn't named a holiday, by the way, until FDR, Franklin Delano Roosevelt, in 1941. And he made it a national holiday because he knew that the country needed a morale boost from uh, the Great Depression and an economic boost. And so the, the, I just want to make something very clear here. The holiday that we're going to celebrate in two days has only been around since 1941. Anyone who tells you that this stretches back to 1620 and is all rooted in, you know, white supremacy and racism of the, of the pilgrims who massacred the Native Americans and stole their land is lying to you. Because it's only, what, 80 years old. FDR, 1941, officially. And let's be honest, today it's really just about three things. It's about food, family, and football. Right before we spend too much money on Christmas. That's what it's about. And these facts matter because liars are abounding. Liars are abounding in our world. Thankfully, not everybody agrees with these secular university lunatics who want to rob the young people of any vestige of joy and gratitude about what they have as Americans. Thankfully, there's one Harvard professor from Inc.com article three things that will make you happier than winning the lottery this is harvard professor and author uh, and tedx speaker shanjiv chopra he explains the science of happiness in this article i encourage you to look it up we'll put it in the in the show notes down below uh three things that'll make you happy he says number one purpose having a purpose to your life number two giving giving not taking giving not getting actually makes you happier gee who said that oh yeah jesus (laughs) and gratitude being thankful. If we turn Thanksgiving into a national day of mourning, the depression rates are only going to skyrocket. The suicide rates are only going to skyrocket. The, 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 the lack of purpose and morale amongst our youngest citizens is only going to skyrocket. And this country is in for a world of hurt. If it doesn't get its act together and start teaching its young people that not everything is racist. Not everything is evil. I mean, seriously. 
1 Thessalonians 5.18. Give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Give thanks as an American. I give you permission, and the Bible gives you permission. Give thanks in two days. By the way, don't wait till two days. Give thanks now. Give thanks even in your troubles. Do you know why? Because God is working even in the midst of your troubles. All right? I hope I've cleared that up. I hope that I've helped you, and I hope I point you, pointed you in the right direction so that you can fight against the lying liars that are out to just depress you and destroy who we are. Shifting gears, and we're going to get to a special guest in just a moment, but I just want to tell you, it's the most expensive, wonderful time of the year. It's the most expensive Christmas and Thanksgiving you will ever have. Yes. Why? Because inflation is not going away. Janet Yellen came on this uh, news a couple days ago. She said, yep, it's here to stay. It's not going to get better. It's going to get worse, actually. The USDA reports uh, that turkey inventories are 24% lower this year than than the last three years. A turkey that was $35 last year is $70 this year. Almost, no, that is not almost. That is double. The Farm Bureau reports that the cost of an average Thanksgiving meal is up 14% this year as opposed to last year. That's because the dollar is getting less and less valuable because our country keeps printing free money for people. Even dinner rolls. Dinner rolls are not avoiding the tragedy. They are up 15% from last year. (laughs) Pie crusts up 20% from last year. God help you, those of you who are buying groceries for Thanksgiving. This from CNN Business, not a lie, surprisingly. Dollar Tree hikes prices 25%. Most, co- most items will now cost $1.25. So I guess it's no longer the Dollar Tree. Now it's the $1.25 tree. Uh, this is because of inflation. So prices are going up, ladies and gentlemen, and you need to be ready for it. And I have a special guest with me today, and we're going to talk about retirement because it's not about what your country does or what society does. It's about what you do because you are a child of God. And God has a way of blessing his people in any season and in any generation. You just need to do life his way. So I got a special guest. And that brings me to Deep End Onomics. Yeah, Deep Endonomics special guest, Doug White, and I want you to ask questions below in the chat. If you have a question about retirement, please, in the chat below, questions, or if you want to do it anonymously, 508-316-9333. And uh, Doug White is joining me via Zoom. Hey, Doug. Hey, how are you, Tim? Good, and welcome to the show, The Deep End, and uh, you must be excited. This is a... Wonderful opportunity for people. This is super exciting. Can't wait. <laughs> Doug is a good friend. I want to give you his bio. He's been working with uh, individuals and businesses since 1985 in the retirement business. He's a re- registered representative and holds licenses to sell a variety of investments and insurance products. He is dedicated to developing lasting relationships with his clients and believes in helping them assess their financial goals, participating in the management of their finances, and creating personalized programs that provide roadmaps toward a more independent financial future. He runs Douglas D. White Financial Services and Insurance, and he offers tax management, investment management, retirement strategies, estate conservation, insurance, and annuity products. So much to say about you, Doug. You are well-versed in all that we're going to talk about today, and I want to do the deep end because I love helping people. I don't want to just unload on people and about how bad things are. I want to give them tools on how to live godly and prosperously in whatever season that they're in. And inflation is a serious problem and finances are a problem for many people because of the cost of goods is going up so high. So what do we need to do to make sure that we retire well 
I did a couple of episodes ago, I did a thing about uh, how to uh, manage money. Today, we're talking about how to save money. So Doug, right off the top, is there anything you want to lead with before we get to the top 10 retirement mistakes people are making? 1985 makes me sound very old. Yeah, it does. Yeah, but you look good. <laughs> you look young. But um, we want to talk about the 10 mistakes. But the reason I talk about the 10 mistakes is so that we can say, how do you correct those mistakes? Yeah. And how do you get out ahead of them? So the first one that we want to talk about is procrastination. Mm. And that's a big word. What's it mean? It means putting off till tomorrow something that you should be doing today. Yeah. So what happens? What are the reasons why people procrastinate? Maybe there's just a lack of understanding that retirement's coming. Even if you're young, you're going to realize that retirement is coming uh, quicker than you think. Mm -hmm. The other is maybe your finances aren't in order and you don't think that you can start putting away a little bit of what you earn every day. Mm -hmm. So earn a dollar, put away 10 cents. Um, I want to thank Dan and Lisa uh, for being there with Financial Peace last week because, you know, they can help you get through that if you don't have the finances to, in order to be able to start doing this, get them in order quickly and don't procrastinate on that. But don't procrastinate on starting to save a little bit. Yes. The sooner you get going, it's a little bit over a long period of time instead of a lot for a small or a short period of time. When should someone start investing in their retirement? What age would you say? Well, start saving right away and then start investing in your retirement once you're 18 years old. 18 years old, so, really? Wow. Yeah, you get a part-time job, put 10% of it away, find out if that employer has some kind of a uh, plan savings through your paycheck. Um, that's a way of taking the government's money, making it work for you, because you're able to take money out before the taxes. Yeah. And when you take money out before the taxes, it gives you a higher take home pay. Can I say, say I'm 18 and uh, say I just got my job and I got my paycheck. What's the first thing that I should do to invest in my retirement? What's the first thing I should do? Uh, if they don't have an, a retirement plan at your work that you can say, hey, put 10% of my next paycheck into this plan uh, and pick some growth stock mutual funds, the younger you are, uh, the more aggressive you can be, then open up your own IRA. Open up your own IRA. And you can do that where? At the bank? You can do it at a bank. You can do it with a financial advisor. You can do it in, uh, you can do it on your phone now. Uh, the kids are now using, um, you know, these uh, soft banks um, and they can open them up right on their phone. All right. Number two on the top 10 retirement mistakes, Doug. Number two is forgetting about health care expenses and long-term care. Um, so, we all take health care for granted because most employers provide it. Uh, you usually pay a small fraction of the actual cost. When you get to retirement, if you're not yet 65, you have to figure out a way to keep your health insurance going. Mm -hmm. uh, there's a study done that says the average American will spend $270,000 on prescription drugs and co-payments and doctor visits in their lifetime. Wow. So and not most having of that is later in life. Right. And not having health insurance means you're going to pay for that out of your pocket. So you really got to get either your spouse's plan uh, through their employer, if they're going to work a little longer than you are, so that you can be on that health insurance in the beginning of your retirement. Because, you know, for, if you retire at 62 and you're not getting Medicare until 65, you've got to have a plan. And that is the law. You don't get Medicare until you're 65, no matter what. Correct. Unless there's an injury, right? Unless there's a debilitating. That's um, right. You can qualify for Medicaid. If you, uh, you know, qualify for uh, some kind of a disability or an injury or something like that. Good. Thankful. Very uh, hard to do, though. I would I would strongly advise 
people having long, um, long-term disability and short-term disability because these claims to get Social Security mm. uh, early for disability, they take a very long time. Because you're working with the government. <laughs> you're working with the government. They do pay you back to that date, though, that you started oh, okay. the claim, yeah. but it could take some time. You need something in the meantime to keep you afloat. Good, good. Okay, number three. Uh, number three is uh, not having a retirement plan. This is not a do-it-yourself or a DIY project. Um, get with a, a professional, somebody who does this for a living, because they're going to be able to take into account what your age is at the time you start to put money away for your future, for your retirement. Mm. Uh, they can take into account what the inflationary costs are going to be. Ooh, that's what's, good. what's a loaf of bread going to cost You know, 25 or 40 years from now? Um, what's gas going to cost 25 or 40 years from now? What are homes going to cost? So your expenses have to kind of be in line with what your target is. Mm. Uh, otherwise, it's, you know, like shooting at a target that's that's moving and you're not going to hit it. Yeah, good. Number four. So number four is retiring too early. Um, you know, you meet, you run into a lot of people who say, half of them will say, I'm never going to stop working. And the other half will say, I'm going to retire as soon as I can. Well, retiring too early can be dangerous because if you haven't accumulated enough um, of a capital account to carry you through retirement, then you're going to run out of money at some point. And, you know, that's a bad place to be and have to go back to work when you're older. Is there uh, an age that you recommend, Doug, to, for people to retire? I would recommend 66 to 67 because although Social Security is not the mainstay of your retirement, it's meant to be a supplement. Mm. It's when you get the highest amount of that supplement. When Social Security is, is a... Uh, private, uh, a personal insurance amount is established and it's at the fullest amount at age 66 for some people, 67 for others. It uh, depends you, on your birthday. And you were telling me about what it actually, it, what is Social Security in terms of dollar amount per month? Yeah. So right now, you know, if you're an individual, the average is about $1,500 a month. Now that's like that's not much. $1,000 a year. That's not very much. No. Um, you can't live on that. A, a couple is getting about $2,500 a month or about $30,000 a year. So how it's many mainly- people, How many people are listening to us right now and they assume that Social Security is gonna pay their bills? <laughs> yeah, it, it's it's just a supplement. You it's need not, to have yeah. you know, money put in, away, put away money in your 401k, in your IRA. Uh, if you work for a public employer, it's a 403b. You should be putting away 10% or more. Uh, the limits are much higher than that. And the sooner you start, the better off you are because you won't miss that money once you do it on a regular basis. Yeah, that's right. You won't miss it. You'll get into the habit and then you'll learn how to survive on less. And I always say to this to, uh, say this to Christians who fight about the tithe and about saving because uh, you're also a tither and you believe in the tithe. And you were and I were having that conversation when we were pre prepping for the show last week about how every retiree that you meet with or person planning for retirement that you meet with who is a tither is well far more well off than their non-tithing counterparts. Oh, yeah. And, and it's because they're more disciplined. Yeah. Because in order to discipline. You know, go ahead and tithe, um, first of all, you're obedient. And then second of all, you're disciplined. And if you're disciplined on that, you can be disciplined and say, you know, if 10% is good enough for Jesus, then it's good enough for me. And that's a good start for both of you. Yes. Because, of course, you should be giving more than that and you should be saving more than that. Okay, number five. Let's keep going. Number five is uh, spousal pension continuation. 
So um, some of you work for public employers and you're going to get a pension. And when you have to make a decision on that pension, it's going to come in four different flavors, A, B, C, or D. And what happens is A pays you while you're alive and then there's no more money when you die. Mm. So that would leave your spouse without having that pension income after you die. Option B will pay your spouse some money after you die. Uh, option C would give, I believe it's two thirds. And option D um, would give like half, it'd be 50%. And who are, um, who are ta- who's offering these options? The, who's, the who's pension doing? company that the employer has hired to do their pension plan. Uh, okay. Every state, most of, most of the pensions nowadays are, are public employers. So check with the plan that was written for your employer to see what A, B, C, or D are. Um, but you know, it does mean that you get for providing for your spouse, you'll get a little less monthly pension now, but your spouse will be able to continue some portion of it after you pass away. Very good. Number six. Number six, budgeting for hobbies and travel. See, retirement is more like a lifetime of Saturdays. And a lot of times we <laughs> travel on Saturdays, we go fishing, camping, hunting, mm. we go to the movies, we, we go to fairs, we go to uh, concerts, we, you know, we do a lot of things on Saturdays um, that we don't do during the week when we're busy working. Well, retirement becomes a lifetime of Saturdays and that, and that costs more money. So not accounting for what that's potentially going to cost and, and only budgeting for what your needs are, you know, the four walls. Um, it, when you take financial peace, they talk about the four walls. You're also going to want to have another fund for these fun things that you want to do. Yeah. Because that's what you're looking forward to in retirement. Yeah, that's good. That's a good point. So it's an endless array of Saturdays. I love that point. Uh, number seven. So now uh, number seven is having a will or a trust because you're not going to take this with you. When you go be with the Lord, you're going to walk around on streets of gold. So that's that's what they really think about gold up there. You know, they pave the roads with it. <laughs> they pave the um, road. yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, there, there, there was a story I heard about a woman who, um, her husband said, you know, when I die, I want you to put my money in the casket with me. <laughs> and, uh, you know, he died. And at the funeral, she walked up to the casket and she had this box. And her friend said to her, oh, did you really put his money in the box in the casket with him? And she said, well, I wrote him a check. So after seven days, I, I, I think we'll see what happens after that. <laughs> Ah, but that's seriously, a that's a preacher joke right there. <laughs> seriously, you want to have a will, you want to have a trust, because that's going to dictate who gets your money. Nobody wants the government to take all their money. So if you worked hard for it, get a will, get a trust, give to your church who's been giving life saving, uh, you know, preaching to get yeah. you into heaven. Yeah, and soul you saving. want to continue that for the next generation. What's a soul worth? And, uh, you know, leave some for your family. Amen. 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 Good, Doug. Uh, number, what are we on? Seven. Eight. Eight. Number eight, housing. So where are you going to live when you retire? Um, are you going to move to Florida? I mean, that's the state for, you know, the newlywed and the nearly dead. Um, <laughs> are, are you going to stay in the house that you're in? Um, you know, some of us, uh, you know, it, it, we've, we've gotten these McMansions. Um, are you going to want to trudge all the way up to the second floor? Are you going to want to trudge down into your basement? Um, do you want something more manageable? If you are going to stay in the house you're in and you have no trouble as a younger person maintaining the property and, and, and living in its, you know, it's a larger house. A lot of times people want to 
downsize for retirement. Um, maybe what you want to do is get somebody to uh, come in and do these things for you. That's an expense that you have to think about. Mm. Or, or maybe you were starting late in your retirement, uh, you procrastinated, and you need the equity out of that home. And then you're going to downsize. Yeah. Um, so housing is a consideration. And then number nine. Uh, depending on Social Security, we kind of covered that earlier. Um, Social Security is meant to be a supplement to your supplement. retirement. Yeah. It's not meant to be the retirement. Um, but just one thing. If you retire early at 62 and you're on that 18,000 average of annual income and you go out and you continue to work because that's not enough and you didn't save enough, they're going to take some of that money back when you file your taxes because you're not a, you're not at the unlimited earning state at age 62. Mm. At age 66, you get the higher amount, but you can also earn as much as you want and they don't take it back. Oh. And if you wait till 66, you might want to consider waiting just a little longer and going to age 70 because the difference between 66 and 70 is an 8% increase on the amount that Social Security will pay you each year that you wait through age 70. So, again, the important thing is don't take it as soon as you can get it. I wouldn't take it as soon as I could get it, no. And as usual... As is, you know, throughout scripture, patience pays. Right. Yeah. Don't rush into a uh, good. Thank you for that. I, I wonder how many people are going to, oh, I can get social security. Let me just take it. And then you, and then they're it, robbing it, themselves. There are two things, um, reverse mortgages and taking social security early. Only oh yeah. Should reverse be done. Mortgage. Can you just talk to that reverse mortgages? Cause I see the commercials all yeah. the time. These are, uh, this is bilking old people of their money. It is. Yeah, because what they're doing is they're giving you some money now, and then what's going to end up happening is they're going to own your home. Mm. And they're going to take your home uh, from your family, you know, when you pass away. Yeah. Now, is it always a bad idea? If you're one of those procrastinators, if you're one of those people that all you have is Social Security, you may need to start taking Social Security at 62 because you have no other options, or you may have to use the reverse mortgage because you have no other options. But discuss it with a financial advisor before you do it, because most of the time it's a bad idea. Mm. Oh, good. Thank you for that. And then number 10, finishing it up. Managing for cost of living adjustments. So when you retire, it used to be back in the day, when our parents were retiring, that they would probably maybe live to 70 to 74 years old and they wouldn't be retired very long. Well, now with the advancements in technology and health and um, just just medical technology, people are living you know, well into their 90s. Yeah. Average age is now up to 80 to 84. Yeah. So that means with the average being that, that there's a lot of people outliving that. So. That means that you're going to be around longer on your retirement and in some cases as long as your career was and you need to have uh you need to have planned for the fact that the cost of living is going to continue to go up after retirement so it's not just having enough hey i arrived at retirement it's i need to have enough to sustain myself throughout that period of time um one other thing retirement means a lot of different things to a lot of different people uh does it mean that you're going to you know, get the Barca lounger and you're going to play golf every day and you're not going to work anymore. Well, for some people, maybe it is, but you got to save a lot of money for that. Some are going to continue to be passive employed. Maybe they're going to do some, um, you know, 
consulting on the side. Mm -hmm. um, and maybe that's what they see as retirement. And maybe you're just going to keep working and let your retirement dollars just be a supplement to your income. Uh, so it means different things to different people. Okay. And so I, I, he's on for a few more moments with us. I want you to get your questions below. There are some questions in the chat already. If you have any retirement questions, guys, please don't hesitate to ask them. 508-316-9333. Text the question if you want to be anonymous. Doug is going to hang out with us for as long as your questions come in to a point, I'm sure, because he wants to get ready for his own Thanksgiving. But we've got some questions and I'm going to put the chat here up on the screen. And uh, <clears throat> I would like to start with uh, well, I guess we only have a couple questions. Let's get this one from Kelly, who says, what should, and this is a good question, a stay-at-home mom do that doesn't have work history to help them with retirement? What would you say to that? Uh, do the plan, do the budgeting in the household. Um, make sure that you're getting the best deal on whatever you're spending your money on. Um, and, uh, you know, that, that that's the best way that you can contribute is kind of hold the line on, uh, the spending so that it's always in line with what your income is. And so what would she do though? I think the question is about what would she do with retirement or for retirement to help save for that? The spouse um, doesn't have to be working. Um, so if, if one of the spouses is at home and nowadays it could be the man or the woman, um, you do still have a spousal retirement through the IRA program and you can still put a family maximum away. So, um, Right now, the limit is uh, $6,500, and it's $7,000 if you're over 50 years old. Mm -hmm. uh, and both both partners can do it, even if one's not working. So that would be a total of $14,000 a year that can be put away for retirement. That's not, a, that's not a small chunk of change there. No, but you can do up to that. You don't have to do all of it. Right. Okay, next question. Let's see, let's see, let's see. Uh, what about SSD? I? Yeah, so that's the disability for Social Security. Okay. So we were talking about that earlier. Um, some people can get on Social Security earlier if they have a disability. Now, that would be at the uh, reduced rate um, for the quarters that they've already paid in. And when they get on SSDI, they will continue to be on SSDI for the rest of their retirement. Okay, so what do they have to do? Really nothing? Um, yeah, if, if you're deemed if you're deemed disabled and the claim is accepted from the Social Security Administration, then you will receive SSDI payments for the rest of your life. Okay, good. Thank you for that, Doug. That's a great answer. And then let's get back to the chat here. And we have uh, where's the chat button? There we go. Uh, if you have to take spouse Social Security benefits, when should I switch to my own, which will be less? So. Um, you have a family maximum on Social Security, so uh, you will actually benefit from the spouse that was work that was earning more, and then you'll get that family amount. And then when that spouse passes away, it's going to be the higher of the family or your own. So if your own was higher, you'll get that. If your own was lower, then you'll get the family benefit. Uh, what the question was when should i switch to my own which will be less so the answer again if it's is, less you won't want to switch to it you want to switch to the higher. be on the one that's that's higher the family maximum okay so you know sometimes there's a, a difference in age between the two spouses yeah um so if one goes if one goes on retirement earlier um and they didn't make as much money as the one that's waiting to go on then you'll get that increase when 
the higher earner goes on to retirement. Okay, so uh, in the chat, this woman who asked that question, Linda, she said he has already passed. He's already passed. Okay, so then you're going to get the widow's benefit, and that's either going to be the family maximum or the widow's benefit, but whichever one's higher. Okay, that helps. Uh, let, let us know, Linda. If you have any follow-up questions, please put them in the chat below. Thank you for the question. And then Shaney, uh, 1619, can you recommend a specialist in the area of mass that can help with all these plans and advice? Hmm, I wonder if you could recommend hmm. someone. <laughs> Doug, throw out your uh, website there. Show us the sign. Yeah, yeah, put it up on the screen. DouglasDWhite.com, ladies and gentlemen. Get a hold of this guy. He's ready to go to work for you, and he will do a great job. He, uh, Full disclosure, he takes care of my retirement account, and I thank God for that. He's a friend, but he's also fighting for my future, and he does a fantastic job. And I know for a uh, – I've known Doug for many, many years. Christian, elder in my church, solid, truthful, honest, and kindest guy you'll ever meet and you want to have a guy who fights for you who's anointed with the holy spirit and that and that's what doug is so check that out douglasdwhite.com uh let's see questions no more questions it doesn't look like anybody's questions are any more questions are coming in uh matthew Casnelli says something here he says my only hope for a good retirement is to become a tiktok autotune singing sensation that uses fortune cookies as drums and chopsticks as drumsticks <laughs> okay so maybe speak to you that you gotta for get a, a lot of likes and subscribes that's what you gotta get yeah um but you know what speaking to the larger issue there which is I know where Matt is. He's actually in Guatemala serving us as part of our church in the ministry there, in the missions field. But, you know, even a guy like that, there's got to be something that you can say, wow, he got, he could do some things to help himself for the future. Well, yeah. I mean, you make a dollar, save 10 cents of it, and you can still have your investments because you're still a citizen of the United States. So, um, you know, take advantage of the compounding of interest, even if it's not very much. Yeah. Okay. So we have some chat questions. I'm sorry, some anonymous questions that have come up and I want to, I'm getting them texted to me now. Uh, question comes from anonymous. What are ketchup contributions? What are ketchup, not ketchup, the thing you put on burgers, but right. what are ketchup, ketchup contributions? Yeah. When you catch up, you're, you're at age 50 and you're allowed to put a little bit more away than you could before age 50. So uh, for instance, on the catch-up contribution for an IRA, you can go from $6,000 to $7,000. So because you, and that's higher than the typical allowance, yes? Yeah, yeah. And it's, it's driven by age. So even if you've put away the the total amount from age 18 through the, there's no, they're not gonna say it's it's disallowed. You Once you hit 50, you can put more away. Okay, great. And uh, let's go back to the chat because Matt actually has a follow-up question. That's good. Thanks, Matt. I have a 401k question. Worked for Ames a long time ago. Since they went out of business, would any of that money that occur accrued from that be available or still available? Yes. So oh, okay. uh, the Pension Guarantee Corporation keeps the pension money and the 401k money that you had accrued. And when you turn of the age that the plan document said, you are eligible to take that income. There's going to be something there. Okay. How many so, years you work there, the amount would be, you know, based on the more, you, the longer you work there, the more it's going to be, and the the shorter period of time it's going to be less. Okay. So this is the guy who didn't think he could retire, and now you just let him know that there's something there for him that he could look up and find. 
yeah, he can find it. What's the, maybe uh, I could ask this follow-up question for him. What would be the first thing he should do? Like Ames is long gone, but where, where, yeah. where should he call? So um, when they go out of business, the he's probably whatever address he was at when he, when they, when he quit or when they went out of business, he would continue to get a letter from them that is an annual uh, statement of what the condition of the pension is. So it, not just his pension, but the overall, what what's the, the girth of it, the, mm -hmm. the amount of money that's set aside for the people who are on that pension. Um, so if they don't know where he lives, they probably haven't been putting it out there. Um, so um, if you send me a, uh, an email, I will find out how to contact the, the Pension Guarantee Corporation, which is uh, kind of a government organization that uh, is like the, the police, the rules and the regulations for pension companies. What's your email, Doug, just so that everybody can, do you want to, uh, do you want D, to put that out there? <laughs> yeah, dwhite at sagepointadvisor.com. If our uh, my website and you can contact me through there where you can, you can do comments right on the website. So give us that, give us that email again. Maybe Kelly can put it in the chat for us down below. Say it again. D white at sagepointadvisor.com. D white at sagepointadvisor.com. Some more questions coming in from the chat. Here we go. Uh, Coco Drillo says, what investment firm example, Edward Jones, would you consider your favorite? Investment firm that I would consider my favorite would have to be Sage Point Financial because that's the broker dealer that I clear through. Oh, makes sense. <laughs> and Edward, jo Edward Jones is a good company. Edward Jones is a good company. Okay. And then yeah. Shaney, again, follow up question. What if you are uh, what if you are a resident and not a citizen? What should the residents do differently? If you're a resident but not a citizen. I don't know if I understand the question, um, but you live in the country, but I'm imagining you're... this is someone who is undocumented. Okay. Um, yeah. If you're working with a social security number or a, um, what do they call them? They give them a um, tax ID. Um, you would be able to open a um, savings account. Um, there are some rules though on accounts that are going to be under the securities industry, but there are things that you can invest in, even if it's not going to be securities related. Okay. And maybe an email. Securities are mutual funds, yeah. um, stocks, things like that. And maybe an email to you just so she can maybe get more information in your hands and you can direct. Yeah. Them. Cause I can find some things that are legal for you to Good. invest in. Great. All right. Another question from Anonymous. And uh, this person says, hi, I have a question for Doug White. And what happens if you're already 67 years old and you never did any of those re recommended things? What should you do? What can I do at age 67? I'm already on Social Security. I don't have enough to make all those changes. Thank you. I appreciate the answer. And I think this is Elaine on the chat as well. So she went public with the question. So 67, didn't do any financial planning, living on Social Security. Is it too late to make any adjustments? Well, if you're able to work, um, you can supplement your income unlimited at 67. Um, actually, if you were born before 1963, um, you can actually do that at 66. Um, so supplementing the income, you know, would be passive work, um, consulting, um, getting a part-time job or that kind of thing. Um, and uh, you can still, 
uh, as of last year, when they when they made some rule changes in retirement, you can put money into retirement plans. So if you can organize your budget well enough to come up with some money that you you can save, you can save that into an IRA even after retirement. Mm. Good to know. Good to know. You, that that's new. Yeah. Questions uh, below or 508-316-9333. We'll give it a couple more seconds. Doug, it's been a pleasure to have you on here and uh, really appreciate your input. I know that people struggle with this and it's another thing that people have got to be aware of because it's your choice. It's your life. Don't, and again, fall into this, the lie of our age that the, that the government wants to keep perpetrating is that they're going to take care of you from cradle to the grave and they're not. Yeah. And I, I can't stress enough, if you're a younger person and you know you don't feel like you have the money to start saving, I strongly advise you to get a hold of Dan and Lisa, get yourself into financial peace at whatever campus you're near, um, and uh, they'll help you. And they'll help you budget and prioritize so that you can start saving. Yeah, or your local church. Hopefully you get into a good gospel preaching church and they have the class called Financial Peace. You want to take yes. that class. It's gonna teach you how to do all these things, including saving, budgeting, spending. And I wanna say as a pastor, and this is on my heart because I'm getting them all over the place. In fact, if I open my email uh, app right now on my phone, I guarantee you that I will see, yep, uh, last chance to get Black Black uh, Friday savings. Uh, Black Friday sale starts now. Uh, only 30 more hours left to our pre-Black Friday sale. I mean, this is a problem right now because people are getting inundated with the emails of what they should spend their money on. And what I do is I swipe and delete, swipe and delete. And you should unsubscribe from a lot of these people because they know that the tryptophan is going to put you to sleep early on Thursday. You're going to wake up with all this energy on Friday and overspend. Good advice. Yeah. Swipe uh, and delete. Huh? And swipe, delete, and block. Swipe, delete, unsubscribe, block, do whatever it takes, and don't go through the stores. Like that might be a, a great suggestion for, and that's why I want to line you up for tonight, two days before Thanksgiving and before the Christmas shopping madness season happens, Doug, is I, I am begging God's people on this show. This show is not just, I don't want to just talk about the news to get everybody worked up into a tizzy. I want to expose, like we did tonight, the lies that are of our generation, what's going on in our world, how you are going to be a victim of your own indecision here, and that God has given you a brain, he's given you churches and pastors and the word of God to equip you to help, not to help, to overcome these ridiculous messages and win in the end. Here's a ridiculous message that's always out there. If I only made more money. And the truth is, if you're struggling with not much money, you will struggle with a lot of money. Because if you don't budget, you don't have a plan, and you don't have priorities, you don't have your needs, your wants, or your desires in priority. And until you get that done, you'll always struggle with money. And we want to help you to stop that cycle. Yes, definitely. Uh, D White is up there on the chat, guys. D White at sagepointadvisor.com. Uh, Yep, there it is. Or douglasdwhite.com if you want to put that sign back up on the screen there for us, Doug, so that people can check out your website. Highly recommend douglasdwhite.com. Oh, over to the other side. There we go. 
And uh, we also have a follow-up comment from the chat. Margaret uh, Trofu, Matt Castanelli, pay attention. Margaret has chatted, and she put this in there. The place where I worked went bankrupt, and I have received a pension for 15 years from the government pension fund. Very thankful for this. So it actually, you were 100% right. Didn't doubt that you were, but there we have proof. She got the she got the money even though the place went bankrupt. Yeah, the pensions pay insurance to the pension guarantee corporation while they're in uh, in, in a company, and if the company goes insolvent, the pension is guaranteed. Oh, and then one more question, okay? Just, I want to just answer all your questions, guys. So if there's any last minute questions, get them in in the chat. Linda Gunthrop, one more question says: Is there anything you can do in savings that when you go to spend you are not taxed? <laughs> I think everybody would love to know if, what we could do there. If you're saving money that you earned that's already been taxed, the only part that's going to be taxed is the interest that you earn. So if you're saving in a bank, don't worry about it. They don't pay hardly any interest anyway. But if you're putting money into a, a, you know, a, a stock or a, a, a mutual fund, you're earning interest and you will receive a 1099 on the earnings only. But when you take the money out of that account, your principal is never taxed. Yeah. And uh, Joe Loeb says, so, so easy to spend money. Uh, I used to be, just used to be credit cards. Now just swipe your phone app. Crazy. He's 100% right. Hi, Joe, by the way. He says hi to you, Doug. Uh, hey, Joe. How are you? And um, he's right because now it's just your, your phone becomes the, another tool of uh, overspending. And you got to watch out for this stuff on a regular basis. And watch out that your electronics don't get hacked mm -hmm. because it may not be you swiping it. Yeah, that's right. That's true, too. <laughs> uh, ladies and gentlemen, thanks for hanging out with us. Thanks, Doug. Let them know in the comments that you appreciate them, guys, down below. Uh, Doug, pleasure to have you with us on the deep pleasure end. Pleasure to be here. You will uh, mark the day, and I know that your wife has got a bottle of champagne waiting for you to celebrate <laughs> your... Your debut on the show. <laughs> anyway, love to the family. Have a wonderful Thanksgiving. God bless you. All right. Thank you, everyone. Yeah. Thanks for joining us, guys, tonight. I want to just let you know, sad news for closing out this episode, but there is no deep dive tomorrow night with me. It is the night before Thanksgiving, and if you don't mind, I'd like to rest and spend some time relaxing before the holiday because I got a lot of eating to do the next day. How about you? Uh, it's been awesome being with you guys. Make sure that you support the channel if you can. Please don't uh, over-support, as we just talked about. Uh, but if you can, it would be appreciated. All your support helps us pay for the Rumble account, which we need to keep alive before YouTube deplatforms us. And then Tim Hatch Live has swag. And again, I didn't want to do this, but I did, uh, I did it. Dog on it. My book only costs $13, so you can afford that. Anyway, TimHatchLive.com, TimHatchLive forward slash or at sign. And that's how you can follow all the content. The Deep End will be back next Tuesday night. No deep dive tomorrow. But I'll see you a week from tonight on The Deep and on Tim Hatch Live. God bless you guys.